but while anxiety is like this loud brass band, it's urgent, it's judgmental, it's like jumping to the worst case scenario, our wisdom is like this gentle flute, it's always there in the background, it has our best interest at heart. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. Hi, Lily. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to sit down with you today and chat about health anxiety. But before we dive in, can you just please give an intro to who you are and what you do? Yes. I am Lily, um, a mom and an anxiety coach. Now I used to be a school psychologist, but now I just do full-time coaching, specifically usually regarding anxiety. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. So I want to start with, I know you've openly shared your journey with health anxiety, and I know that many relate to what you share. So I think it'd be really great if we could just start with you telling us a little bit about your personal journey with health anxiety. Yes, happily. And it's funny because I don't know until if it was probably after I recovered from health anxiety that I identified as having health anxiety, because when I was in it, I just really thought people just must like envious and also maybe judgmental of like, are they just not worried as me? Are they not seeing the same stuff? So, I mean, I feel like my health anxiety, you know, ebbed and flowed from probably starting maybe as a teenager. Um, And as a child, I was just definitely much more influenced than others. It seemed like around TV shows, you know, if I saw people getting sick and watching ER as a teenager. Um, and, and, you know, in health shows that I would be into, but I really thought like if something was possible, it was probable. And so just Mm. always, I just felt like I had this worry in the back of my head about cancer and specifically a lot of like brain stuff, you know, like a brain aneurysm, brain cancer, brain tumor, just like such this like fear and focus. And I was prone to headaches when I was younger. I don't know if it was just that time or also that I just had a lot of anxiety that manifested as headaches and stomach aches. And so my brain as a lot of brain stooge, it would jump to worst case scenario, which was like, oh my gosh, is this going to be a brain tumor? Is this going to be an aneurysm? You know, and I don't think there was Google when I was a teenager. I mean, I know there wasn't, but somehow like reading about things more or just researching and then or if something would pop up, I would be like, is this a sign? And and then also because I just had a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, I had some a lot of physical symptoms and kind of like ill health, you know, as I know that people can because we're, we're overly stressed, we're just spending too much time in that fight or flight response. I would often just have illnesses and, and then worry. Um, and I remember once when I was 20, which was 20 years ago, um, I had thought I had spinal meningitis because my neck hurt. It actually, you know, it makes so much sense now because a, a friend of a friend who I knew was also my friend died a few months before, or maybe that month. 
And I worked myself up to so much worry that I had my parents take me to the ER because my neck did hurt a little. I'd probably like slept on it weird or something, but then just completely spiraling out. And it was funny because it was right around Christmas time. And that Christmas, my younger brother gave me a, a present that involved like a hot water bottle and tea and other stuff. He's like, because you're always sick. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was so sweet. But um, and then it really took a turn when I became a mother, because before my worries were on me, but on my parents, which wasn't really health anxiety, more like death anxiety. And then I became a Mm -hmm. mother and I felt like, oh my God, I have this precious being who's just like a blank slate. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I want to prevent any childhood illness, but for me, it was always like cancer. And I know there's worse things than cancer too, but it was just like this big thing of like something really scary, like a really a terminal illness or, and I also, also then was worried about mental illness too. So that was a big part of my health anxiety as well was mental health anxiety, because there was discussion that, you know, mental illness ran in our family and like, oh, my grandmother, you know, quote unquote, went crazy. The adults would just say that. And, and growing up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, how mental health was portrayed and somebody, you know, going crazy, quote unquote, like I was like, what does this mean? And when does this happen? And is this going to happen to me? Um, And back to being a mother, I then really fell back into paleo, like that style of kind of eating this Mm -hmm. natural. And I had previously had an eating disorder. And so I was very wary of it at first, but then I kind of got hooked and I started reading about it. And I thought, this way could prevent physical and mental illness. Like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. This is why there's cancer and heart disease and depression. It's because we're eating grains. And Mm. then it went off even to more than just diet. It was like the toxins in makeup, in the bedding, in clothing, in cell phones. And it was like this rabbit hole that I went in that started with love for my daughter. I didn't have a son yet then, but like, oh my gosh, if I can make our environment and our diet this way, I could prevent her from getting sick. And um, it was really, really a real obsession. So that was when it was more like health anxiety, OCD at that point. Um, And I know that people can have these behaviors and it's not a disorder, but I Mm -hmm. never ate out. I made every single thing from scratch, um, including toothpaste, toothpaste, face wash, laundry detergent, hands up. And some of that would be fun, but a lot of it was because I was so afraid of the ingredients, um, the toxins. And I would have people come over and put special coatings on our windows and to block out EMFs and turn off all of the Wi-Fi at night. And so I just wanted to run away to the woods because also then it would, we, I felt like if my daughter would go out to a birthday party, I didn't want her to develop anorexia. You know, this was when I had no idea what I was doing was orthorexic, but I, you know, I just was like, well, I don't want her to develop an eating disorder, but I also felt like, is she just going to get cancer and depression if she eats this pizza and this ice cream? So Mm. I would just obsess and obsess and always bring my own food. And that was a whole, like, it's so tied for me, orthorexia, which is an unhealthy obsession with health food. And for me, that involved healthy living. It's extremely isolating. I would often just bring my own food for years and years. And so much so that I lost my period for three years, even though I was at a, a normal weight, you know, quote unquote normal, but a very healthy weight. Um, but the stress that I had regarding food and health made my, um, hormones were in the postmenopausal range and I was from 28 to like 32 or so. Um, 
but at that point I felt very justified. You know, if somebody was to say you would have health anxiety, I would be like, I do not. You know, I, I was envied mm-hmm. so much. I would see moms that would just feed their kids, not only just Doritos, but like non-organic strawberries, you know, cause I felt so tied between wanting to be social and, um, and then, you know, one time when we were in Palm Springs, my, I don't know if it was my daughter or my son was cozied up to a family in the pool and they had just a big basket of strawberries and they were not organic. And I had read like, that was one of the worst ones and, but not wanting to stop my son from this lovely social interaction, but like my heart pounding out of my chest of like, just, it was just my personal mind, like toxins, you know, and just instances like that. But if somebody would have said you have health anxiety, I would say, no, I didn't, I didn't know that that just imagine that mom didn't read what I had read. And I just was like, so envious of these people that I thought didn't know what I knew. Cause if they did, how could they, um, how could they live? And, you know, and also it always involved Googling too. Cause I would, mm-hmm. I would have something or I would have something go on, you know, Google down that and hyper-focus on it. And which is such that very classic health anxiety cycle. Um, and really then make it really hard to know, is this just a stomach ache or is it anxiety? And I never really felt great. I mean, obviously there were times when I did, but I mean, I could go on. So I don't even, I was obsessed with sleep. I was obsessed with, I mean, everything, you know, was yeah. in terms of like having this perfect, healthy lifestyle regarding physical and mental health for myself and then my my family. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's so funny. One of the first things that you said that resonated with me so much was if it's possible, it's probable. And I think a lot of people that struggle with health anxiety, that's something that they struggle with most because you're automatically thinking if it's possible, it's probable or it's happening to me or, you know, it's really hard when you're in it and you're so consumed by the thoughts to be able to distinguish, okay, is this just my anxious thinking? Is this me trying to gain some control because I feel like I have such a lack of it? So this is a good segue into us talking about how do you believe that it's anxiety and not something else? Yes. Well, and for me, that would go back towards having a deeper understanding of of how we work as human beings, the nature of thought, understanding how our personal mind works, that our personal mind, you know, our brain, I'll use the word personal mind and it's like interchangeable with brain because I think we all have brains, but we all have this deeper wisdom inside of us. And our brain's most important job is keeping us alive not keeping us happy, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so it did such a great job of it. You know, we are survivors as human beings and, and it would jump to conclusions and fill in the blanks and err on the side of caution because that's what kept us alive in early human days. When, if we heard a twig snap and our mind was like, it's a woolly mammoth, you know, and, you know, kind of started the fight or flight and you got ready, um, so you could be faster and smarter and stronger. Like it started that stress response. You turned around and it was a woolly mammoth, like life saved. If you turned around and it was a rabbit, you were like, oh, you know, you wasted a tiny bit of energy, but that started strengthening those neural pathways in our brain, especially our, our lizard brain, which is so primitive. So to know that our brain is always narrating our experience, sharing its opinion, jumping to conclusions, um, you know, and also bringing it to life. You know, when we have a thought, it's not just this like black and white thought, but it's like you could have 
a headache, you know, and, and your brain is, is the whole time is saying, okay, Shannon, you have a headache. And then you might go on the, then your brain is like, this headache is lasting for an hour. I wonder why it's lasting for an hour, you know, and this is just what all brains do. You know what? Is this lasting longer than normal? I don't, you didn't drink. You got a good night's sleep. I don't know why you have a headache, you know, and it's all this stuff that's really helpful. Um, and then it might be like, you know what? I bet it's a brain tumor. And then it brings it to life of like this brain tumor and it shows you your death. And it like, it's, you know, it's in 3d in color and it's like, wow. And if you don't know how the brain works, that that's just our lovely brain doing its job. You might think, oh my gosh, which is what I thought, you know, like all of these thoughts are true and I need to listen to them and I need to follow them. And, and so one is, you know, the question, how do you believe is one understanding how the brain works. And then also standing, how understanding that health anxiety cycle that you were just talking about, because we get, we listen to that brain, you know, that's like, this is going on for an hour and it maybe suggests, why don't you monitor it? And you're like, oh, good idea. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to maybe even touch my temples and all this stuff that makes so much sense. But if you know, that actually makes it worse, hyper-focusing on it. Because as you said, it's like, is it now a headache or is it just anxiety? And am I starting the, the stress response? And, um, and to me, understanding and insights is what creates behavior change, you know? And so you're not actually like working at hard at like this false belief. How do I believe, you know, you're not like falsely self, like chill out, chill out. It's just anxiety. It's when you just know, and you've had insights. Oh, and then you can have your personal mind, your brain still saying all of its stuff, but you can understand and you can have a little bit of distance and then quiet, you know, get quiet and see what comes up because we all have this wisdom, this greater intelligence that is not ever going to lead us astray. But while anxiety is like this loud brass band, it's urgent, it's judgmental, it's like jumping to the worst case scenario. Our wisdom is like this gentle flute. It's always there in the background. It has our best interest at heart. And it's still, you know, if there was a health thing, it's going to keep coming again. I've had many things that I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I didn't worry, but I might like put it off for a little bit. And then my wisdom, you know, I'm on this video, I'm kind of doing like a knocking sign. Like our wisdom, it's like, it's not going to, our wisdom and our body, you know, our, this greater intelligence, it doesn't give us one shot and we miss it, you know, mm-hmm. knowing if there is something and you are confused, like, is it anxiety? Is, is it this? It's really like getting quiet and knowing and seeing what comes up. I love this quote from Einstein that is, I think 99 times and nothing comes. I stop mm-hmm. thinking, swim in silence and the truth comes to me. And so I don't even know if you have to be like, I have to chalk it up all to anxiety because there are so many wonderful times when we should see a doctor, you know, when you also don't even have to make a huge deal of that, you know, because a lot of people might've had medical trauma, whether it's to them or people they love, a doctor's missed something. And I worked with clients that bad things happen because a doctor missed something. Um, And I don't, I think that's the rarity. You know, I do think that's the exception. I do believe that there are lovely doctors and nurses and surgeons. But if you've had that, and if you just say, you know what, I'm going to go to the doctor um, or I'm going to get a second opinion. And you'd even take the stress out of that. Like, that's okay. I don't believe that we have to go through life like 
I have to go to the doctor the least possible. Like I can only go once or I can never Mm -hmm. call because if you're doing it from a place of love rather than fear, you're going to have such a completely different experience and you might do it less. Um, But I don't, I guess I'm sharing that of like the goal doesn't have to be, and we didn't even go onto that topic. I'll stop talking. (laughs) No, no, you're fine. I love how you're saying, you know, though, to check in with yourself and to check in with the wisdom that you hold inside, because oftentimes you are, you know, allowing yourself to spiral and go off on the the thing that your brain does and thinking, okay, like this is possible. I have a headache. It's been going on for hours and I probably have a tumor. I should probably go to the hospital. I need a scan, like all the things. And I think, you know, when people, I get asked this question a lot, how do I know when it's anxiety, not something else? And I'm like, one big thing is when you're asking yourself the question, like you're asking yourself the question, which means you have enough knowledge and insight to know, okay, I'm questioning it. So if I'm questioning it, there's something there. And, you know, I need to check in with with myself. And, you know, I think too, part of it is having, you know, that, that relationship with yourself where you can start trusting and believing, okay, I can make the right decision. I can make a healthy decision for me. And, you know, you went into a little bit, when is it worth going to the doctor? Because I know sometimes like you get yourself so heightened and you're so in the cycle and you convince yourself of all these things, especially after Googling, (laughs) you're like, okay, is this worth going to the doctor, doctor? Or am I just going to make the anxiety worse? And so I think it's it's so hard when you're struggling with health anxiety because it's like twofold. You're like, okay, I don't want to miss something if something's actually wrong, but I also don't want to go to the doctor all the time unnecessarily and reinforce the anxiety. So I think that's you know, totally a conversation worth having because I know many people struggle with that. Yeah. And that's why I I do think waiting a little bit, um, unless it's an emergency, you know, because uh, when I had COVID, this is what it's making me think of. I had COVID, even though I'm vaccinated. And um, I guess two examples during that, I felt no health anxiety during COVID or even really having COVID. And so much so that I felt like I was cocky. I'm like, I'm going to watch this last season of Great Anatomy. Great. And I was like, this is not impacting me. And then I was on so much COVID TikTok because it was right around the Delta time. So it was like Delta, Delta, Delta. And I felt like, well, I should listen to this, even though I don't usually consume a lot of news because I feel like it's it's negative. I was on so much COVID TikTok and my whole, I was just like so consumed with COVID that at one point I didn't feel good. And my And my thoughts, you know, as we were just talking about, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought, you know what? Need to get off COVID TikTok and I'm going to watch something else and I'm going to see how I feel. Because then my brain was like, do you have chest pain now? Are you having difficulty? You know, like, and I had really not thought of that. So it wasn't a long period of that, but I noticed, oh, I'm like so in, so consumed with this COVID for myself and the world right now. I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually feeling these symptoms or I'm just like manifesting them in my mind. But I, so it was just like, oh, I heard my wisdom, knew exactly what to do. And I got off my phone and then I just also just stopped watching anything related to COVID on TikTok. I'm just immediately scrolled through and I watched some lighthearted movies and whatever those symptoms, I can't remember what it was, they went away. But I knew if they were still there, 
I would have, you know, brought it up to my doctor. Um, but I, I was like, oh, let me just see because, but that's where I'm at in my journey. It's like, let me just see, you know, and let me give it a few hours and, and see how I feel. And I think that's a good thing too. It's like, if you are, um, but if it's something that keeps coming up, it's, it's, I, I never, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing your doctor. And on the COVID note, I have diabetes. And so that was the one thing that COVID messed up was my blood sugar and how I manage it. It's very, very mild, late adult onset um, diabetes. And so I don't take insulin usually, um, but my blood sugar was so high when I had COVID. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't even have insulin. I don't even have like an endocrinologist right now. And, um, and I was just really sick with COVID. And my wisdom was like, I think I'm going to call 911. Because I, my parents were out of town, so was my boyfriend. Like I don't know what to do, but I didn't feel panicked. It was like out of love. I think I first called my sister, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. She's like, Yeah, call nine one one. Looking back, I like would be like, Oh, that's not a horrible. But they came, and then they were like, Okay, well, do you want to go to the ER? Um, and I'm like, I don't really know. I don't want to take up a bed. They're like, Yeah, it's pretty bad, but it's not like so bad. And then, um, but they're like, We'll sign a waiver. You know, if you don't come, you might have a heart attack. Um, we just need you to consent for that. I'm like, well, let me just test my blood, blood sugar and see. Maybe it's gone down a little bit. And it hadn't, it had gone up. And so, but it was interesting in that moment, it still wasn't urgent. Even though I had the paramedics there, my brain wasn't in fight or flight. I wasn't in a stress response that I was like, oh, give me a few minutes. Let me think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that decision really came from, even though I was had COVID, extremely high blood sugar, and I had like four paramedics at my house. I just, I, and I didn't think about it in my mind, you know, cause I think if we let it go and we let our mind quiet and we see what comes up regarding, should I go to the doctor? Really? You can see, you know, and I know it can be hard. It can be easier said than done when you are disconnected and, you know, you're so used to hearing that loud brass band of anxious overthinking. But for me, what came up and was like, oh, I guess I, I'm going to go. It felt better to go at that moment. Um, then I know that those are extreme cases, but I think what I know was true for me, cause I didn't even go in to fix health anxiety. I went in to understand anxiety in general and how we work as human beings and how we are designed, you know, as our, all what we were talking about. And then also that we come back into balance when our thoughts settle. And so if somebody is like, okay, I want to get to a better feeling place. And maybe it includes going to the doctor less. I would really just focus on understanding how we work as human beings um, and really understanding that we also have this greater intelligence that is beyond our personal thinking, that is just like waiting to break through at any moment. And then it makes it easier those times when you are deciding, do I see the doctor or do I not? Because you can go more kind of pose it to your wisdom rather than your personal mind, which is more limited because it's so scary. It's like, yes, go to the doctor. Right. Not miss it. I don't care. Who cares? But your system <laughs> loves you so much, you know, and this is it's just a part of you, who you are, your core loves you. I mean, every, your whole being loves you, but it can, it, you know, and then it might be like, sure, go, you know, or, or you could wait a week. It, it, you know what I mean? I think it, it's really mm-hmm. reconnecting to that of like, what's that part of us that, that always has our best interest at heart, but it's not coming from fear. It's coming from love and it could be loving like, yeah, you could go. Um, yeah. You could go today or tomorrow or whatever it is. You know, anxiety is like, go right now and get a full body scan. Um, and I, th- to me, it's recognizing what's that, um, 
what's the anxiety, what's fear, what's love. Yeah, I love how you said to pause, right? Because I think a lot of times, even unrelated to health anxiety, but just, you know, when you're on that verge of panic, it really is so helpful just to take a few moments and pause. But also another thing that you said um, really resonated with me was that you made a choice to, to put down TikTok and to disconnect. And that is something that significantly helped me too in my journey was to to acknowledge when I was making decisions that were unhealthy and to recognize that I could make a choice and, you know, I could reduce the anxiety that I was feeling by changing some of my habits or changing my actions. So I think that's a big one. You know, you're, I know for me, Google was like my jam. And so it was really important for me in those moments to say, okay, like close the computer. Like we are not going to do this and I'm going to make a choice to believe and trust that I'm safe and that I'm okay. And as hard as that is, I think it totally ties into with the pausing. Like you just need to take a few minutes and, you know, if you're still heightened and you're still feeling, then okay, maybe you make a different decision, but it's important that you allow yourself to to stop and pause and give yourself an opportunity to make a different decision that might be more helpful. Yeah, yeah. And what was coming through for me when you were sharing is that Googling and, and, you know, when I was consuming media, that's all out there, you know, or you're, you're looking for, should I go to the doctor? When to go to the doctor for a headache? And, and you're looking outside of yourself, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there's no shame in that of just that. I think you and I were sharing with love and compassion that even though where we are at our journey, like I can still look, Oh, get caught up in watching TikTok or maybe Googled or something. And then Oh, you have this awareness. There's no judgment there. Oh, I'm going to turn off, you know, get off my phone, get off the computer, because that's looking for outside. But you have all the answers inside you. And you can pause, get quiet, and see what comes up. And and, and it's just kind of like waiting for it because we all have this wisdom too. But I know sometimes when I've had people, then it can be this hyper focus on like, where is it? What am I going to do? You know, um, but it's really kind of like letting go of, of all thought and, and coming back into trusting yourself and, and your body. Yeah. So important. So I want to touch on something that I know, you know, people are definitely asking and, and curious about, I know, like we talked about initially, a lot of what is really challenging with health anxiety is, always being so focused on your sensations, on the sensations and the symptoms and what you're feeling. And it can be really hard to to stop paying attention to all of that or to change the way that you respond. And so can you talk a little bit about how you can change your relationship with the sensations and the symptoms so that they're not constantly leading to that anxiety and panic? Yes. And I guess first of a caveat of, you know, I know anxiety results in physical symptoms. It does because we're in this stress response and we have body-wide changes. So I guess, well, a few points, but one is understanding that, that this is our body getting us ready to be fast, to be strong. And so it's so useful. We don't want to not have the stress response because God forbid I was in a car crash and my leg was broken. My body would you get, you know, have this amazing reaction, you know, body-wide changes. So I could not feel this pain and go back and save my kids who might be in the back of the car. But 
that would be an appropriate response, you know, pain, car crash, or, you know, whatever, anytime we need to kind of have this superhuman strength, but we can start having that response when our slack goes off or we have any twinge and our mind is, you know, we have a stress response outside of an actual life or death or really stressful situation. It can be anything. So understanding that, um, that's why there can be changes. But also in that, I would hope that people were getting their regular annual physicals and they saw a doctor. So they knew, you know, if there was something, if they were like, my vision is blurry and you know what? I always have headaches and I have stomach pain. I don't want someone just chalking that up because it's great to know you've seen a doctor. They have done whatever tests they're going to do because I'm not a doctor. So I don't want people taking kind of medical advice and ignoring physical symptoms and chalking them up to anxiety and ignoring physical symptoms that need, that should be checked out by a doctor. So once you've done that and you know, whatever you're experiencing is most likely anxiety and a stress response. Okay. Now we can have the discussion of how do you not hyper-focus on that? Um, and, and to me, it is this understanding because when we have understanding, we have insights, that's what creates behavior change. So you don't have to like, that's when it's the easier way when you, you know, like you, and it's, you could have an insight from anything, but it's just like when you, children don't listen to this. So like if, when you recognize that Santa's not real, you don't have to leave notes around. You like have an insight. You're like, oh, Santa's not real. And it's <laughs> not exactly that way, but it's like, if you grow out of a pair of clothes or something and you just kind of know, and, um, you have this deeper knowing. And so it's easier. Um, and I, something clicked for me. I, one of my symptoms that was very lingering was difficulty breathing. Um, when I get stressed, I have a lot of stressful thinking. I'll like hold my breath and then my breathing roots really, or it used to, it hasn't happened for a while. It gets really dysregulated and like my chest starts to ache. And this was a symptom that really lingered. Even when I just felt like I, I don't really feel like I have disordered anxiety, but my breathing and I would was in that thing of waking up in the morning, like, is my breathing thing here is what I would say. And I was listening to a podcast and somebody just was like, what if, what if you just let your symptoms be there? What if it was okay to have that? You know, what if, what if it stopped being front page news? What if you just were like, you know what? They'd use the analogy of like soldiers in a castle and, you know, they protect this castle and then invaders came in and they, all this stuff got broken in the castle. So the soldiers went about repairing the castle, but it's large and a lot of stuff was broken in a lot of rooms. So hopefully they'd have a few weeks or a week to repair the castle. But if another invasion happened the following morning, they wouldn't have been able to get to each room. And so stuff is going to remain broken. And that we, when we have a stress response, they know this chronic um, hyperstimulation and chronic stress, like we're in fight or flight for much longer than is, is healthy for us, it can start to take its toll on our body. And I'm not saying that to scare people because I know I would have hated to hear that. I still don't like it. I have a book regarding that kind of, and I'm like, no, I don't want to read it. But it's, our bodies are so resilient, but it does have an impact. So if we've been panicky, as I know I was, because I still had to continue to drive and have a lot of scary thinking about driving and parenting and just, it was like stress response, stress response. Um, my breathing wasn't going to go away or it didn't go away as fast as I thought it would. So some symptoms, and it can be especially the ones that we hate the most. <laughs> I feel like mm. when I talk to 
professionals and just clients. It's like, oh, I can take all of this, but I can't take this nausea. I really want this one to go away. And it's often that one that's like our worst one that can take the longest to go away. But when you recognize, oh, okay, it can take it can take some time and that doesn't mean anything. You know, we're not seeing all the ins and outs of this healing that's going on in our body because healing is happening. We are so resilient as human beings. I was very stressed and anxious from a child, you know, so much so that as I shared earlier, my hormones were in the postmenopausal range, like literally just barren. I went on to have a healthy cycle and have a healthy child. So we are very resilient, but it's on its own timeline. And so regarding the, like the checking of physical symptoms, just to know kind of like rice cooking or a bone healing, you know, when we just kind of leave it alone, if we keep taking the pot off the rice, or if we kept poking at a bruise or a scab and like looking at it all the time, that would hinder its healing. And, and we, our bodies are designed so beautifully to heal and to come back into balance and, and we don't need to check on it. You know, almost that like doctors don't even heal bones. They like put them in a cast and then this mm-hmm. box does this stuff. So for me, it's, it's really understanding all of that. And then um, it almost like, also regarding the healing, but how our, our brain works in a great way too. So if we recognize like, oh, this actually isn't really, um, it's a bad habit, not a smart strategy. I had read that somewhere because it's like, oh, our brain thinks if we're thinking, is my am I nauseous? Is my breathing thing here? Is it here? Like kind of this continual checking. Our lizard brain is like, oh, this is great. You know, and it's like, mm. when we really truly know that just as, oh, there's no Santa, it almost dissolves on its own because our brain is like, oh, I don't want to do this thing if it's actually not good for me. So I, I have found that when something kind of clicks, it becomes easier. Um, or the moment you realize, oh, there I am checking, um, that allows you to kind of like just wake up and remember again, um, oh, yeah, this was just kind of a bad habit, um, not a smart strategy. And then the less you do it, you just kind of form a new neural pathway. And then what I've found with people that I've worked with or myself, the moment I stopped checking, that's when I'm like, I don't know when my breathing kind of fell away. Um, just like a watch pot never boils. Um, yeah. And I didn't also have to do it perfectly. I doubt that I like heard that podcast and was like, oh, I had an insight and now I never check on my breathing. I'm sure I did, but I would, oh, I'd realize it. And not in a, not in a judgmental way, you know, it's enough just to notice it. And that's not the time to be like compulsively aware and be mean and think, oh my God, I heard this and I should never focus on my symptom. It's just anytime you notice it, oh, there I was. And okay. Like you can, that allows you to pause and that power in that pause and, and take a little step back and then allow your thoughts to flow Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important, right, to like be compassionate with yourself. And you've hit on this a couple of times since we've been chatting, but some of these things are more natural, right? We all have worries, especially relating to our health. Um, Our health is, it seems so fragile at times, but we are so incredibly resilient. And it really is about tapping into that inner wisdom and just being able to, to know, you know, 
I'm going to give myself the permission to pause and I'm going to give myself the permission to make a different decision. And I'm going to give myself permission to not get it right this time. And I can remember in my personal journey and, you know, you hit on this too, is you don't always get it right. And I had moments where I'd fall back into, you know, allowing myself to go off the rails on the, the, you know, catastrophic thinking and the Googling and the checking and the scanning. And a big thing for me was like, okay, I did it, but I'm not going to beat myself up for it because that was what I typically did. And that just ended up making it a whole heck of a lot worse and harder. And so it was really about just getting that awareness and saying, okay, I did it. It's okay. I made an unhelpful decision. I can make a different decision next time, but right now I'm going to be compassionate with myself. So I think that's hugely important too in the the recovery journey. I do too. And it's so it's um George Pransky wrote about in his book that we can often get in the stage of compulsive awareness where we know like these habits that we don't want to do. And then but he writes in that time there is no need for analysis, no need for judgment or criticism. It is enough just to know that you are engaging in counterproductive behaviors. Um, that compulsive awareness stage is often right before change happens, you know? Um, and yeah, that's where I, I used to too. And I just had so much more like criticism and judgment, um, and like scoring myself in a way of like grading myself, like, how did I do? And now I just see it in much more of like a fluid way in any time. I don't, I guess I don't expect perfection, you know, um, for my, my life or just my, my body or my children's health too, you know, and I don't expect my mind to be perfect either because it still says silly things, you know, mm-hmm. my, um, but I used to think those silly things and there was those worry things were true and I followed them and I took them really seriously. But, you know, for example, I think it was a year ago, um, my son said, oh, my stomach hurts after dinner. And he doesn't, you know, my daughter might be more prone to stomach stuff and he doesn't, it's a very rare thing that he said that. So he said that. And then my mind was like, oh, is it something that I ate? Um, is something that I cooked? Is he going to get sick? Is he, is he going to throw up? And I'm not, I'm not going to be able to work tomorrow or something. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, are we all going to throw up? And, but also all these things were happening and I didn't have any stress, you know? And so I just was more observing them and I wasn't using it as a technique to observe them. Just where I'm at was like, oh, there was my mind. And then it flowed because that's how thoughts are when we're not resisting them or we're not giving them a lot of attention. My mind had all this stuff to say about him being, saying for one, one, one sentence, all he said was my stomach hurt and he never said anything again. And it moved on and we ate dessert and watched TV. And, and then as we were going to bed, my mind was like, do you remember that your son said his stomach hurt? What if he dies tonight? And it's, you know, and it was like, he had literally never mentioned it. And so of course I took it, but I also know, oh, that's just a mind doing its thing. And so it did startle me because I was not, I like had, but I also, I didn't take it so seriously. So I fall asleep. And then a morning I woke up and he wasn't up before me, which he normally is. And I was doing stuff. And then my mind was like, do you remember his stomach hurt? He's dead. And you ignored it. And you were a horrible mother. And I was like, for a moment, I was like, huh? And then I heard him, hey. (laughs) you believe I slept in? Um, But that whole experience was just like, that's what minds do. And my peace of mind isn't contingent on my mind acting different. You know, my mind can still stay stuff. And that was, I guess, in a way, a more extreme. But like, 
my mind still is always going to be narrating my experience and the experience of the people I love. And it's always going to be, you know, telling stories and, and I can know that and, and allow it to happen and then flow and still be peaceful and happy and, and not overly worried. And on that note, if he kept saying it, I'm sure my wisdom would be like, Hey, let's, 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 let's deal with it. You know, rather, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's so powerful. I think it's so powerful to just have the recognition of like, okay, I, my brain is doing that thing that it, it wants to do and that's okay and not beating myself up for it. And it's a natural thing that happens, but I'm not also going to go along with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pause and I'm going to make a different decision. Um, so yeah. So Lily, it's been so fun chatting with you. If people want to connect with you further, um, get some help in overcoming health anxiety and more, where can they find and connect with you? Yes. Well, on TikTok, I'm at peace from within. On Instagram, there is an underscore, underscore peace from within. And then my website, which you can find in all the links on social media, but my website is peace-from-within.com. And I too have a podcast with Sari Taylor, my friend and colleague, and it's called The Perfectly Imperfect Duo. I love it. Yeah. And I don't know if this will air before I have a health anxiety group, but I usually do them every few months. Um, It's a nice place where you know that everybody really, really gets you. And so we talk about health anxiety, but also how to return easily to a place of mental well-being. And so... I offer that usually every few months, um, but then people can work with me. Sari and I have a membership that we're doing a free challenge at the end of January. And then our membership will be open beginning of February. And I always have spaces for individual clients. So that's how people can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lily. I'm sure we'll chat again sometime on the Healthy Push podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.